With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick! Sorry, kids! Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. This is Sarah's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. Driving cross country with two young children is ambitious, to say the least. Then our check engine light came on. We pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts and they tested it. Turned out it was a faulty sensor. They referred us to a great mechanic just down the street and we were back on the road in no time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Welcome to the Stairway to Heaven. We're coming to you bringing insights into the ever-changing high-frequency currents now bathing the planet and their effect on us all. The source of vital information for the evolving human being. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. What is shamanism and how can it help us now? Shamanism is an ancient healing modality dating back between 50 to 60,000 years. If you follow any lineage back far enough, you'll find a shamanic earth and stellar-based society. Some form of shamanism is still practiced today by most every indigenous culture. These practices have been passed down through the generations and are particular to each tribe or peoples. The form is also being taken up by modern-day practitioners. As a rule, the title shaman is usually reserved for the indigenous practitioners who, coming from shamanic lineage, have a genetic predisposition to the form and have been groomed since childhood, going through intense training and initiations. Other individuals who are now employing the form are usually referred to as shamanic practitioners, as they may have learned some of the rituals and practiced the form, but may not have embodied it, as in the case of indigenous shaman. Anthropologists viewing shamanism from the outside considered it a magical, mystical practice with no amount of theatrics and sleight of hand. This is understandable since many of the forms involved, they involve chanting, drumming, dance, and incantations, among many other seemingly bizarre behaviors. However, if that's all there is to it, why is it endured virtually unchanged over the ages? In modern-day terms, shamanism is an organized set of rituals designed to aid the practitioner in managing matter at the quantum level. In this definition, the quantum level is where matter starts to form, but is still malleable and subject to alteration. If, indeed, shamanism can manage matter at the quantum level, the form is much more than a spiritual healing modality. In fact, shamanism can affect every aspect of life. Yes, it heals on the spiritual or energetic level, but it also heals on the physical, emotional, and mental levels. This healing is not restricted to people, but can impact every aspect of life, person, place, animal, thing, or situation. Shamanism, in its basic form, restores energetic balance. As above, so below, when the energy or frequency of person, animal, place, thing, or situation is brought back into balance, 
This balance will eventually manifest physically, affecting physical healing. Shamanism is not limited to healing. It can also be used to speak to the dead, perform remote viewing, and predict future events. Shamanism is at the base of medical intuition, mediumship, divination, animal communication, clairvoyance, clairaudience, and the list goes on. Psychics are shamanic in nature, but their accuracy is not only dependent upon their genetic predisposition, but their level of training. Just because we can see a thing doesn't mean we know or properly interpret what we're seeing. Because shamanism works at the quantum level, it's not restricted to time or place. Therefore, it can heal past events and impact future ones. Ancient shaman didn't know about the scientific view of the quantum level as such, and they probably didn't care. But they were indeed masters at working with it. Regardless of how we define or interpret them, shamanic rituals, when practiced according to protocol by a processed, well-trained practitioner, work. End of story. The cornerstone of all shamanic practices is an altered state of consciousness known as a shamanic journey trance. This trance state is measurable in that, using ritual, the practitioner alters their brain waves from the normal waking state of beta to the more dreamlike one of alpha or even theta at will. This has been scientifically established by numerous brainwave studies under controlled conditions. The method of reaching the journey state depends on the tradition. Most use ritual, usually involving repetitive rhythm, music, dance, or physical motion, but some are more meditative in nature. Once in this trance or dreamlike state, the practitioner is able to resonate with the quantum level. The activity at the quantum level is accessed and represented in the practitioner's imagination in metaphorical form. This is the origin of the archetypes such as angels, demons, gods, goddesses, unicorns, dragons, and any number of animals, and so on. The human mind can't decipher frequency beyond that of a very narrow bandwidth perceived by sight, hearing, smell, and touch. The frequency found at the quantum level being pre-matter is much more expansive and far-reaching. The archetype serves to represent the particular frequency or frequencies found at the quantum level in response to a question posed by the practitioner. This has been greatly misunderstood over the ages, even by shamans themselves. During lower frequency and therefore dogmatic times, the archetypes have been viewed as real and present entities rather than allegorical, further adding to the invalidation of the form by the scientific community. One of the most challenging aspects of shamanism is accurately deciphering metaphor, an art form all its own. To further complicate things, sometimes what's perceived in the journey trance is indeed literal, such as a past event or an upcoming one. It may also allude to currents impacting the future, but not exactly how they'll manifest as they are not yet in form and still subject to change. Not only can the shamanic form be used to gather information, but when applied by a well-trained practitioner, it can alter frequency, correcting imbalances that have caused illness in person, place, or thing. This can change outcome before it manifests, before it manifests physically. Shamanism can also be misused to impose frequency where it does not belong. Many gifted but unprocessed individuals can and do use this to make things appear other than they are. This was known by the ancients as casting a spell. Unfortunately, today it's widely used to mislead and manipulate in marketing, 
politics, and interpersonal relationships. This rendition of the skill is actually sorcery. Sorcery twists the laws of nature for personal gain rather than working within them and has a nasty backlash when nature corrects itself, as nature has not want to do. Truth be known, we're currently in the throes of just such a correction globally, but that's a story for another episode. So how can shamanism be used to help us today? As I've repeated to nauseam, we have the dubious pleasure of living in a time of rapidly increasing frequency. When frequency was more stable, it was easy to stay in sync with the ambient vibrations and be supported by them. Now we just manage to adjust to a rise in frequency when it rises again, putting us out of balance with ourselves, each other, and the world at large. It also puts extreme pressure on all the places we've lost frequency mobility. Shaman are frequency masters. Through the practice, they can isolate and treat what wherever we're stuck and unable to accommodate the rapid frequency shifts now present. One universal and very useful shamanic healing form is often referred to as soul retrieval. Personally, I'm not overly fond of the term as one never loses one's soul. However, spiritual illness of soul loss occurs when a person is forced to relinquish part of their natural frequency. This usually happens when we perceive that our lives depend on not expressing the frequency in questions such as independence, personal boundaries, and so on. As children, or even as adults, traumatic situation will often cause us to disengage from frequency of any activity we decide cause the trauma. At age two, the trauma might be getting our britches blistered for saying no to an adult. Age two is when we naturally develop our boundaries. When punished for this, we may let go of the boundary-setting frequency to preserve our backside. As adults, this form of soul loss will result in poor boundaries and people repeatedly walking all over us. We simply lack the frequency in our field that prevents us from being taken advantage of, no matter how many boundary-setting tools we employ. In this simple example, the individual may go to a shaman or shamanic practitioner and indicate they want to heal their boundaries. The practitioner armed with that question and intent from the client, will go into the shamanic trance and access the past event at the quantum level. They will then align with the frequency the client left behind and bring it back for the client to attune to. Resonance and entrainment are the hallmarks of shamanic healing. It's then the client's job to integrate the energetic or spiritual healing into their other levels, physical, emotional, and mental. During the journey, the practitioner will usually have been given a story about why the client disconnected. They may see the actual event in great detail or it may be represented metaphorically. But a good practitioner will go to great lengths to accurately tell the client the story as they received it, as it is an essential part of the healing. It's then left to the client to decide what the story means. During the process of puzzling out the story, the client engages in reframing and shifting their viewpoint to understand. This initiates the mental integration portion of the healing. As the client works with the story, feelings will come up about being unjustly treated and the impact it had on their lives. As they work through the feelings, emotional integration begins. The healing is complete when the change manifests in their physical world. In this case, people just won't be drawn to walk on them anymore. 
This sounds complex, but it can take place surprisingly fast if the client's willing to be self-actuated and introspective. Another downside of soul loss is if the frequency is no longer present within us, it's not available to access when we need it to rebalance with the rise in ambient frequency. To rebalance, we need to resonate. Resonance is dependent upon having the frequency available in ourselves to be able to resonate with that which is being presented by the outside world. In our modern times, shamanism is not a well-recognized form, nor is it often practiced. The lack of shamanic healing over generations has left us with a huge back loss of soul loss, not only from our lifetimes, but from that of our ancestry as well. The massive loss of frequency mobility in our entire culture is proving to be very problematic as we struggle to evolve with the rising frequency of the times. Advanced shamanic techniques can also correct ancestral generation distortion by cultural and familial trauma. This damage can be found in entire cultures that have been subject to extreme trauma, such as famine or genocide. When choosing a shamanic practitioner, it's important to keep in mind the shamanic form is every bit, if not more, involved than being a medical doctor. I don't know about you, but I'd be reluctant to employ a brain surgeon that had only taken a couple of weekend workshops. On the other hand, because shamanism works at the energetic level, it's a skill we can all use at this time of rapidly shifting frequencies. Just like learning first aid rather than becoming an MD, some basic shamanic skills can be learned and successfully employed for personal purposes by anyone. The key is in knowing the limitations of one's skill set and not exceeding them. In other words, if a simple bandage won't solve the problem, do not hesitate to go see the doctor. How ironic that during modern times of rapid evolution, our very salvation may reside in the ancient past. Regardless of what form we employ, the key in regaining and maintaining frequency, mobility, and balance. And where do we find that balance at any given time? Shamanism is an earth and stellar-based practice. The ancients knew what we've forgotten. The earth and stars hold the answer. It's vital for our survival to work with nature, not against her, to cherish her, not exploit her, for nature is always in tune. To the degree we love and honor and align with nature while healing all the places where we cannot, we will remain in tune also. Thank you for joining me, Gwilda Wiecka, on the Stairway to Heaven, where we provide the updates on the energetic currents facilitating our evolution into conscious, powerful co-creators. As I'm sure you've noticed, not only do the Stairway to Heaven episodes stand alone, but they weave together to form a map to evolution and personal empowerment as we enter the new era. To revisit this or any of our past archives, visit www.stairwaytoheavenmedia.com. If you'd like to find out more about me, my school, and the evolutionary tools we offer, visit www.findyourpathhome.com. Until next time, may you be blessed on your sacred path to wholeness. We are here. The time is now.